0: I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Let me begin with prayer. My Heavenly Father, I thank you. My Heavenly Father, I thank you that the power of my Lord be great. Father, grant your people repentance. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. I ask this in your son's name, Jesus. If you will turn with me to Psalm 91, I'm going to continue from what I was speaking on last week. Psalm 91, this is talking about a man, a man that has the protection of God. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Can you say that? Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Five, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest I dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shall they trample under feet. Why? Why does this man have this kind of protection? Verse 14. Because. Because he has set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Do you know that this is available to you? Do you know that this psalm, this protection that this man had is available to us? How do we get there? Verse 14 says, Because. Because why is this man not afraid of what is happening around him? Why is he not afraid to go to the marketplace? Why is he not afraid that his children are off at college or where they need to be for their job? Why is he not afraid of the terrorists, of being in a building at the wrong time? Why is he not afraid? Why is he not afraid when the news says, here comes the hurricane? Why is he not afraid? Because. Because he has set his love upon me. How do we get there? How do we get there in these perilous times? Turn with me to John 14. We can get there. We can absolutely be in this kind of protection. Chapter 14 of John, verse 21. He, and this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to the people that are following him. He said, he that has my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. He said, my commandments. You will notice later what his commandments are. He said, he that has my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me. What did Psalm 91 say? It said, because he has set his love upon me. And now Jesus is saying, this is how you set your love upon me. This is how you love Jesus. It says, he it is that loveth me that keepeth my commandments. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? 23, and Jesus answered and said, if, if a man love me, he will keep my." words. Amen. Do you hear that? I said last week, I grew up in a denomination. I heard people say all the time, oh, how they love Jesus. Well, Amen. Jesus gives you exactly how to know if you love him. Do you keep his words? Amen. Do you keep his words? If you love him, you will keep his words. Let's go on. It says, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. Jehovah, the God of heaven. If a man keep my words, my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. What did it say in Psalm 91? That you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. God and Jesus will make their abode with you. He says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Do you keep Jesus' sayings? If you don't keep Jesus' sayings, you can say, I love him all you want, but it won't be true, and you won't have the protection of Psalm 91. It says, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine. This is Jesus speaking. The words that you hear are not mine, but the Father's which sent me. This is absolutely possible. Now, what are some of the words that Jesus commanded us to keep. Turn with me to Mark 1, verse 14 and 15. These are some of the first words that Jesus gave us to do. To do. He gave us commandments to do. He that keepeth my words loveth me. Do you want to love Jesus? Notice Mark 1, 14. These scriptures were the first scriptures I heard when I came to Water of Life 31 years ago. And these scriptures were repeated day after day after day after day. I remember thinking one time out there in the blue chairs going, are we ever going to stop hearing those verses? You know what he was doing? The Father speaking those words through an apostle and prophet? You know what he was doing? He was pounding them into me. He was pounding them into me. The word is a fire and a hammer. And that hammer kept pounding. And you know what? One day I had them. One day I had these scriptures in here and they work. All right. Mark 1:14. Now, after John that was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Those are Jesus' words. Do you love Jesus? Then you've got to do these words. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent means to change the way you're thinking. It means to change your will, to take it from believing something else To making it believe the gospel. Making it believe the gospel. Repent. Changing what you're doing and believing the gospel. Now, you know what's so nice about the Word of God? Have you ever had an employer or a teacher that would tell you, do your job, but they wouldn't tell you what your job was, and you failed from the very beginning? I've had them. I've had teachers yell at me, why didn't you do what you were supposed to do? Because you didn't tell me what I was supposed to do. But you know what? That's not how God's like. Thank God that's not what God's like. He will tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. He says in this word exactly what the gospel is. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. We will find out exactly what this gospel is that Jesus said you must Believe if you're going to love him. And if we want the protection of God, we have to love Jesus. And we have to do what he says. All right, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, this is Paul speaking. I declare unto you the gospel, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. These people believed this gospel, and they stood in it. And you know what? It worked for them. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, saved, set at safety, anything you need. If you need a job, then you need saved, and that job will come. If you need healing, and you need healed, then to be saved is that healing comes. If you need born again, then being born again is being saved. It's that salvation. It's whatever you need. And Paul said, "...by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received." How? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Here's the Gospel. Here is the exact definition of the Gospel that we have to believe to love Jesus. He said, "...how Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures." And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is what we believe when Jesus said, Repent and believe the gospel. Those are Jesus' words. You know, Jesus also preached the gospel. Go with me to Matthew 17, verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, He's speaking to his disciples. The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. Turn over a couple chapters to chapter 20, and go with me to verse 17. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, he's headed to Jerusalem to go to the cross. And Jesus, going up to the Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold... We go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the chief priests and to the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death. You don't think Jesus knew what was coming? You don't think Jesus knew what was coming? He knew exactly what was coming. And he says it here. And they shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day... He shall rise again. Jesus preached the gospel that we need to believe. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2. That gospel that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again. This is what we believe. Verse 24, 1 Peter 2. Who? Jesus. His own self. Bear our sins in his own body. That's what he went to the cross for. To bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That's what we believe. That's what happened in the gospel. Do you know I was born again back when I was little. I couldn't tell you the exact day. But when I was 12 years old, God met me in the front pew of the Methodist church. And he said, I want your life. 12 years old. I mean, the power of God was on me. I was only 12. I remember my eyes must have been this big. And I said, but I thought you already had it. Do you know God took a hold of my life right there? Took my life. And this Psalm 91 is evident in my life. Back in 1978, when I was in college, I was dating a young man. I shared this several months ago, but it has to do with Psalm 91. I was dating a young man several times, and I realized after several times, that man was a little too intense for me, and we needed to break it off. It was wrong for me to be dating him. I was a director at what we called the Christ Center, a small little grocery store that the Methodist Church took over, and we made it a place for young teenagers to go and to fellowship. On Friday and Saturday nights. I was one of the directors there. I was in college. I was doing some artwork at the time, and my materials were at that Christ Center. So I decided I needed to go pick him up. He was with me at the time. He said, How about if I go with you? I thought, You know what? Yeah, come on with me. And while we're gone, I'm going to tell you I'm not dating you anymore. Not the smartest thing I've ever done. Not the smartest thing I've ever done. I've got to say this right here, ladies. You better not put yourself in the devil's way by dating somebody you're not supposed to. Don't put yourself in the devil's way by dating somebody you're not supposed to. Anyway, I go to this building. I'm telling him, we're not going to date anymore. I walk through the building. It's a small, small grocery store. It used to be a grocery store. It had a stage. I'm over. my, My materials are in the corner of the stage, back in the corner. I go get my materials. I turn around. I look at him. He is one angry man. He was one angry man that I'm breaking up with him. He was so angry, he started coming toward me. And his intentions weren't good. They weren't good. I remember being in that corner and looking and trying to figure out which direction I'm going to move in. But he's coming right at me and I'm in a corner. I'm in a corner. I watch him come to me and the next thing I know, he disappears. Totally disappears. Disappears. It took me a minute to realize what happened. The opening to the cellar was on the stage. And it was a small cellar, one even six feet tall down in the basement. And there was a ladder that went down into it. He had fallen down that hole. I didn't even realize the hole was open. When I walked in, I did not realize that hole was open. You know what? And my guardian angel, yes, I believe in angels. I saw one work that day. My angels thrust him down into that hole. He couldn't get to me. Do you hear that? He couldn't get to me. What does Psalm 91 say? It says that the angels take charge over thee to keep you in the way. For well, that angel thrust that man down in that hole. I looked down there. He was moaning and groaning. He should be. He fell down a hole. I helped him get out. When he got out, his, to- his shoulder was totally dislocated. You know what? He couldn't hurt me then. He couldn't hurt me then. I put him in my van and I took him to the hospital. Told him, I'm never seeing you again. And by that time, he said, you know what? I agree. By the time I dropped him off at the hospital, he agreed with me. No, this isn't working. Right. That was God protecting me. And you know what? He will protect you. How? It says when we put our love on Jesus and the Father. And how do we do that? By doing Jesus words and what were some of the directives of Jesus we heard today what was his command repent you change the way you're thinking put it all aside and believe the gospel believe that Jesus died for you and as first Peter says took your sins on his own body that's what you believe You believe of what Jesus did for you on that cross. He took your sin on his own body. Bore it. Not somebody else's sins. Yours too. Yours. He bore on his own body. That's why his body was marred more than any man. He bore your sickness. He bore your disease. He bore our weaknesses. He bore our impurities. (laughs) Yeah, devil, you don't like that. He bore our impurities. He bore our rebellion. He bore our fear. He bore our sexual perversion on his own body, yours. Put it out on the tree. Put it on him. Hang him on a tree. Why? Between you, me, and God. He became our sacrifice. And the Father saw it. And he saw the travail of Jesus' soul. And Jesus went to hell to pay for your and I sins. That's the gospel. Yes, devil, that's the gospel. That's what saves us. That's what makes us strong. That's what gives us life. That's what justifies us. That's what makes us perfect. That's what sanctifies us. That's what gives us a vessel that we can hold the spirit of God and minister to it. That's how we got here, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what died for you. That's what was buried for you. That's what went to hell for you. And then the third day, when the Father saw that sacrifice for us, when he saw the travail of Jesus' soul, he said, that's enough. That sacrifice is enough. They are forgiven. They are justified. They are sanctified. They are redeemed back to me. That's what the sacrifice did for us. That's what the resurrection did for us. And that's what you believe. That's what you trust in. That's what you look at. That's what you hang on to. That's what you grab onto and you hold on to it when it looks like something different. That is the Word of God. That is written and that'll hold. And that'll bring the manifestation of the Father and Jesus to us. Now, to believe that gospel, you've got to be born again. Just like I said last week, how are you born again? You believe that Jesus died for you. He was buried. He rose again the third day. You call on the name of Jesus and you shall be saved. That gospel will bring you anything that you need.